0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Creative Technology Podcast. We are as rattled as you are about all the news that's coming at us every day of the week. And uh, starting out 2023, right, we wanted to have a look at what we're reading, given some commentary, and just share.
1: I love that. Let's get right into it.
0: All right. The news is full of chat. GPT, right? You cannot swing a dead cow overhead without hitting somebody that is saying chat GPT at that exact moment. And it's okay. understandable. My bosses, my grand bosses, uh, everybody's taking I think it's the multi-language, the translation piece that has everyone immediately hooked because most people speak more than one. And some of them are computer languages, some other ones are our natural ones. And as we've seen in the Napoleon podcast, it's the source. It's often the source for a new idea because language is so ambiguous. You can go into it and do a dramatic reading of it. You can go into it and create an image from it. So there is something special there that has everybody so excited.
1: I couldn't agree more.
0: What's your favorite example, blah
1: Honestly, there's like infinite examples, which is sort of the amazing thing about all of this For me personally, it's all about research and summarization. It is so useful to be able to like get an introductory summary of a topic that you're trying to explore. And yes, while ChatGPT may hallucinate and make some stuff up, I think what's been really interesting about all of this is let's go into Google Trends and just see ChatGPT absolutely took off starting December and they hit a million users in under a week. Million daily active users, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. under a week. Mm -hmm which is faster than any other app that's preceded it, right? Like Mm -hmm. Instagram, not even close. TikTok, well, TikTok had the Musical.ly acquisition to bootstrap it. But point being the fact that it's actually in people's hands, we're seeing such a diversity of use cases emerging. Yeah. Which is super, super exciting.
0: Yeah.
1: What are some of your favorites?
0: Uh, Well, there is a newspaper article on it, but I'd rather go from, you know, me by now. It's, it's the people. And my friends in academia are horrified because they will need to change testing methods. All the standards in academia are changing. And for once, they're moving a lot faster than they have been in the past. Academia has been traditionally pretty conservative in changing up how they teach. But now how do they test, how do they assess whether it's original material that is out the window and that active conversation is fascinating. Obviously that's not the only place where regulations and rules and the law are gonna come in, in play. We're gonna get into that in a moment. It's after academia the thing to watch is the law. That's my favorite area. As soon as uh Everybody who is entering school right now is gonna face a different set of entry exams. Work will never be the same. My daughter, she's gonna go to school right now, and I, I bet you during her finishing university, this will be the topic on hand for everybody. Prove that you don't cheat, and actually use the tool in a sensible way where yes, you may use it for research, you may get new ideas from it because of the ambiguity of language, Get ideas from other cultures, all other languages. It's going to make it that much richer. But you better have your own point of view on it. If you're just reaveraging what everyone else has said and you bring nothing new to the table, then you're going to be left behind.
1: Very well said. I mean, this reminds me a little bit about the initial teacher reaction to things like Wikipedia. Mm. at the same time, like perhaps as a transition to the next topic around intellectual property, I do have one question and observation to make. It feels like, to me, Hilmar, not as many people are concerned about chat GPT and other transformer-based models scraping the open web and creating these, like, text generators. It seems to be different when it comes to imagery. Any idea why that is? Because, if anything else, what we're seeing is, like, you've got anthropic and character AI that are now trying to raise, like, what, like, Character seeks 250 million and obviously the founders behind it are ex-Google researchers, Mm -hmm. some of the folks that were involved Mm -hmm. in the creation of the seminal transformer Mm -hmm. that's underpinned a bunch of these innovations. And of course you've got Anthropic that's, you know, has, has their whole like constitutional AI with, you know, some explainability baked in and a little bit more work done on provenance. And so like, Despite all of that, ain't nobody complaining about text generation being like, oh my God, you stole all my text from my Reddit posts and now you're training this AI. But it's different about art. Why is that, you think?
0: Let me challenge it a little bit. There is an experiment that I want to see. as saw it in the news today. I don't have that link readily available, but people I'll add it to the show notes. A first experiment with an artificial inge- intelligence lawyer representing you. So somebody who is an algorithm that creates the argument on your behalf on previous cases. Now, it's an incredible example because clearly you want a machine to have red all the precedents for a legal case before going to court. But what if the machine actually is in charge of, you know, staying out of jail or not? Then it gets a a wholly different proposition. So I, I, I argued, I think there is in that space also intellectual property, whether it can be truly embedded in text only. I think that's the weak spot that you're pointing at is like, you cannot trademark the word and or car, but the combination of them at some point The corpus is your intellectual property, but it is, it's a bit more nebulous. It has to be read to be understood, so you're communicating a complex system for it to to be your IP. And that is a different kind of effort than looking at an image and saying in a hundredth of a second, that's sort of a comic cartoon of Blavel or not. To me, that's the differentiation.
1: I have to push back on that. I I think like it's fascinating to me, despite all of that, you were seeing this visceral response from the art community, right? Like the no AI movement, people watermarking their creations on ArtStation and so forth. Whereas the writer community has almost embraced chat GPT Mm because they're like, holy crap, I can write so much more. I can summarize my stuff. And it's been a very different reaction. And the only explanation I can come up with and tell me if this resonates with you is because writing stuff on the internet has always been commodity you can always look stuff up copy pasting is super easy rewording things have been easy you have things like grammarly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and whereas art still had this like maybe higher barrier to entry not everyone can learn to be a digital artist and learn Mm -hmm. how to use photoshop Mm -hmm. and maybe that's you know image this is made imagery commodity whereas text already was and so it's It's like par for the course when it comes to text. But on the imagery side, this is like some new shift that's tangibly shaken up how the value chain might be split up.
0: I buy that argument. It's it's a good one. Can't help to think of at least a few cases where just the written word is what made the difference between a good movie or not. I think there's a statistic that the single most selling attribute of a movie trailer is whether the trailer had one memorable line in it. It's not the imagery. It's not the speed of the cuts. It's the one memorable line. And I've seen that firsthand. A director on set, when a scene just wasn't working, like actually reordering two or three words and it magically coming to life. So, jury's still out whether it's a complete commodity, but respect to people who wield those words with such an impact.
1: The pen is mightier than the sword, as there a you go. You know, wise person once said. On that note, Hilmar, isn't the legal landscape for text to image heating up? What do you have to share?
0: Yes. Uh, this past week, predictably, lawsuits are starting. Uh, specifically the spa- uh, the class action lawsuit in the united states against the image generators and you found a really good piece by this uh, lawyer jake watson who has a fantastic uh youtube explanation about what's actually at stake here it's uh about the fair use and this, so there are two terms that we have to familiarize ourselves with and that is what the man is arguing it's is at the it's at the heart of this lawsuit so I understand if people feel robbed, simply put, because they did not give consent when their art was incorporated into the models or into the databases that then drive the generators of new images. The question is whether the algorithm actually makes just a modification by adding noise to the images and therefore is using it or if it is making a different thing. So, not for us to be decided, but I'm, I'm grateful for the explanation. And in London, uh, what was the piece that you had found there? Blah.
1: So in London, it seems like Getty Images is suing Stability, which is a London-based company or incorporated out there. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting, right? You've got this class action with a bunch of artists that are making the point that, look, they can prove that their content was in the Lion 5B database. And so thus Stable Diffusion was trained off of it. And even the Lion 5B is, you know, for research purposes, the fact that Stability packaged it up and then allowed other pseudo-commercial and commercial enterprises to take advantage of it has had an impact on their work. And yeah, there's going to be a whole question of whether Stable Diffusion's usage of this imagery is also considered fair use right? Yep. Like there's a set of criteria that needs to be made up there on the London side. Yeah. Getty images is going after SD baby. Oh, it's heating up. It's like, uh, <laughs> this is a great example. The fact that the model, like, uh, you know, is a hallucinating Getty images watermark is not only a telltale sign, but again, in the lion five B database, and even the smaller and larger variations, they scrape the web. And if you scrape the web, you're going to end up scraping a lot of Getty images with watermarks on them.
0: You will. And if you are a corporate lawyer right now, your next, 10 years is pretty much already set in the topics that you will be discussing because this distinction of what you take on, how do you, how you manage the data, how it's repackaged, whether the derivatives that you need to create to redistribute is going to be debated extremely heavily. And here's why that's interesting. In corporate America anyway, the lawyers are often called business affairs, period. And that's because yes, they're looking at how does the law influence the company? But they're also the ones who are papering any kind of new business model. Shutterstock is just not waiting around. They're making generative AI part of their offering. And why wait around? You know, they're probably expecting that this is going to be sorted. So coming back to the thread here is as a lawyer and uh, in business affairs, you're looking at the law and you're writing the papers that actually then turn it into a business model. And I really believe that's the long game. The long game is how are we actually going to make money? Because as we found out in the Napoleon piece, yeah, super fantastic, interesting movie that could, at least for me, I would want to see it, but I'm only one person. Number one, the training of the models. And then number two, the generators are not free. They run on data centers, on a lot of data. And at some point, the VCs are going to want to make their money back. And if I find out that, oh, well, in order to make your... Napoleon movie with Eddie Redmayne in it, you would have to pay $5,000. I'd say, well, watch this different one over here, maybe. Uh, and I, I don't, I have no indication, no signal right now that tells me how expensive it, or cheap it's going to get. But I believe it's, it starts right there, from IP, through the lawyers, eventually to business models that's the spectrum that is going to govern the space.
1: Couldn't agree more. And and certainly you're gonna see models where there's like strong provenance on, you know, like, hey, we have the right to train on these images and it's watertight. So for example, what Shutterstock can do, mm-hmm. given the corpus of imagery that they've got. And here we have some lawyer friends debating the nuances of AI art. Perfect. So, oh, yeah, but looking good, look at, look, they're all looking good, yeah, totally. It's like they clearly stressed out, you know, it's like, it's also interesting. Well, let's uh, leave aside the fact that, you know. Not a very diverse set of lawyers here, but leaving that aside, I think it's also an interesting question whether for me, the the stability lawsuit is interesting in this regard. There's a question of how the models operate, right? So the Mm -hmm. argument that like the class action lawsuit is making is that, hey, effectively, this is like a far more sophisticated collage maker, right? Like it's essentially a collage maker. And then of course, you've got the researchers and more technically minded people saying, well, that's not how diffusion works. This is a Net new image, but I think the problem and Jake pointed this out in his videos, like is upstream of that is like, did stability have the right to even train on copyright images? Because even if the imagery itself is not retained, the fact that, you know, the process of training off this massive corpus creates this like latent space, you know, th- these hidden layers of meaning that you can kind of pull upon to sort of like conjure up new imagery is interesting where I think things aren't in the favor of stability is the fact that if you take the exact same seed and you take the exact same stability checkpoint and you type in the same prompt, you will get the same goddamn image, Hilmar. It's the same image.
0: It is deterministic. And yeah, on that level, that's for sure. And the database that's being leveraged, I, I, don't know, but I think it doesn't contain the very original art in it. It's Lion is terabytes worth of data. Not all the original images could even be generated, but it has to be a, a mix up at some point. I don't know if it matters to the conversation or what it does, but it gets not redistributed in its original form. We know that, but you're right. That's right. It was trained on it. It's
1: like the Pied Piper compression joke that could be made here, right? And I mean, these are things that Ahmad has said, and it sounds very impressive when he says it. It's like, you know, you can take 200 terabytes of images and you can distill it down to this, like, two gigabyte file that can kind of pull from all the correlations and patterns that it saw in that entire corpus to create a new imagery. But again, it is deterministic. So the fact that, like, whatever freaking iPhone image I make here, if we key in the same settings is the same image that you make. And it is deterministic. I think this whole argument of, hey, actually, this is a brand net new image and that didn't have anything to do with the imagery, you know, that it was trained on or isn't directly pulling from it. I think that argument starts falling apart and it becomes like, well, you couldn't have generated that stuff had you not trained on certainly some copyright imagery to begin yeah. with. Yeah. So it goes back to you got to go scrub your data sets or you got to be uniquely positioned like a shutterstock that has like an awesome library of you know imagery that they have rights to create awesome new models on.
0: Well, uh, they have the rights to these because that's what the EULA set up until this point, but surely enough that will change in a hurry too. So it's all happening in real time. And not only are we working in all forms of media from music to images, but we're certainly into also in, into other areas of, of content generation. So there's a note to be uh, placed here about that. Well, actually tell, tell us a little bit about that, the text to 4D dynamic scene generation that you had found.
1: For sure. I've been having a blast playing around with Luma. Luma is basically an implementation of Dream Fusion, it allows you to create a bunch of interesting imagery. And you know, some of it's actually quite impressive. You can create some like a really cool 3D models just off that like 2D corpus, right? So like Duke Nick in 3D, throw back to my like younger days. You've obviously got to have the Doom guy in there too. Mm-hmm. And then like scary monsters, you can do some pretty cool stuff. I will say this deal still pushes out some not safe for work things inadvertently at times. But anyway, so you have the dream, dream Fusion paper that basically created this like Nerf representation using this diffusion process in an interesting way. And along comes Facebook dropping the new state of the art in this space, text to 4D. And so what they managed to do is to create this sort of dynamic Nerf representation that essentially gives you a short 3D snapshot of whatever you type in. You've got, you know, Super Dog over here. You've got like a freaking kangaroo making some stir fry or something and of course you've got like sheep over here just like loving that lager i guess and so it's kind of amazing that you can create these dynamic 3d scenes despite having not trained on any 3d imagery it's just been trained on text and image pairs and is capable of generating animated 3d representations how crazy is that homar
0: it's amazing too that it is meta right they're in the news every single day with with the metaverse and clearly that's their destination but they're doing a lot of work in this space there are really just a few heavyweights in there and they're not to be underestimated with what they're doing clearly here I have yet to see a little bit of evidence that what makes the image generator so special is the any seed noise changes the image and the output that you get from it in sometimes stark ways and sometimes uh, more subtle ways. And I don't know if the same level of expressivity of different ideas will be maintained in the 3D and in the 4D space. There's reason to doubt it, simply because there is conforming of images is unique, right? They're all in the 2D plane. And if, if something red is next to something green, that will be encoded the same way in one image as it is in another image. With 3D worlds, it is, it's, it's more complicated, but thank God we have more problems to solve there because it's, um, oh, yeah. Well, you got to
1: Talking about multi view consistency. Basically, like, how do you enforce that, like, multi view consistency and while having a coherent movement plan out?
0: Well, there's temporal. Yes, you you're talking about spatial coherence. Yeah, I guess that's sure. um, that's ab- absolutely the case. It's the spatial consistency, also the temporal consistency, and the data that's feeding the production of those uh, of mm. those new forms of media is not as consistently coherent as it is in the two D image space. So that's why there is Got there's it. more work that needs to be done there.
1: It is interesting that like, you know, a lot of criticism of, you know, the, how are you going to populate the metaverse to bring this point? Right. It's like 3D has been this traditionally perhaps the hardest thing in digital art these days to end up learning how to, you know, wrangle like learning full blown 3D. All the things like Blender have made that easier, but still vast majority of the budgets that go into AAA games is around asset creation. Mm-hmm and reality capture provided this like really interesting way to like bootstrap some of that so like you know battlefront is a good example the call of duty games are a great example for people doing reality capture what's interesting to me here is like the fact that they are just training on text image pairs and some unlabeled videos and producing some decent results it'll be interesting to see is like if reality capture becomes truly ubiquitous and like everyone's capturing nerfs with their phones or like lidar scanning with their iPhones like all of that data ends up on something like sketchfab is epic going to train something interesting on the entirety of the Sketchfab database, they have been changing their terms of service. I haven't gone in with a fine tooth comb to see what the changes are. But by the way, that's another example where I want to use chat GPT to just summarize the, the terms of service for some of these services are just exceedingly long. So yeah. incidentally, are,
0: are legal like license agreements in terms of service? Is that in the public domain or is the text of that itself copyrighted. Do you know what I mean? If we're training on legal documents, is that legit in the same way? Or I
1: don't, again, a, I don't know. That's a good question for commercial counsel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, check this out. I mean, they've got a huge database of stuff, right? Like and oh, it's largely definitely. triangle meshes with textures on them. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see what could be done with a database like this. But again, like it seems the researchers are like, hey, there's way more data if you stick to text image pairs and unlabeled videos. And that's enough to like start seeding these like short animated sequences. And it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see where this goes in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super excited. Last thing is like, given how fast things move, Hilmar, just this morning, I was seeing that Hugging Face now has this like radio demo where I guess if you have like an A100 laying around, you could actually play with some of this like text to 4D stuff that Meta just rolled out. So I just love this, you know, like proprietary company launches a paper. And then like that, Some other up-and-coming startup or whatever can reverse engineer it. Key point being Luma, they've done some really, really cool stuff. Just taking freaking Dream Fusion and making some of this stuff possible. I love this Steve's example. I just wanted to show it with you. It's like, he's holding a phone. That's how I remember Steve, you know? Super fun. And I love this one, too. Just like a chihuahua dog dressed to Santa Claus, highly detailed.
0: But if you think this a little bit further, and this has been around for as long as I've been working in computer graphics, is uh, making digital humans has seemed the, to be the end destination for it all. And yes, the, the 3D yeah. database is not 4D databases of, of doing animation. They're just the proving ground for where we're headed with deep fakes and style transfers on existing videos. Amazing.
1: But GANs the... are back? Is that what you're saying, Helmar? <laughs> like it's not just- whatever they ever We're gone? not just gonna do diffusion. <laughs> so it's like, oh, there's this debate between the auto-aggressive and the diffusion approaches and like, somebody's still playing around with style again? Yeah. Like, what?
0: Yeah. And I'll admit, I think in 2017, there were, I was having... um. A sit down with a reporter from, I think, Hollywood Reporter, and the woman asked me, "Well, Hilmar, surely enough, AI is going to solve the digital human problem. The digital human problem being, well, we don't, we don't really believe the ones that are on screen. Like there's something in the uncanny uncanny valley that tells you that it's not real. And I'll admit, I was wrong, or I, at least I'm no longer believe that my answer from back then, which is no. no, because these. What's certainly true is that these new results are." surprising at least and the speed is now clicking up so quickly that there is a chance that maybe we will get to bringing actors back to life which was Hollywood's dream for a for a long time thanks for bringing yeah Yeah. and a friend was just saying yeah Audrey Hepburn's estate um they hold on to all of the images that exist of her from that corpus. Might it be possible to read? We have all the voice recordings of her. Might it be able to regenerate her? Someone's going to try.
1: Can I hire Bruce Willis? I would love to make a Die Hard fifteen with his digital twin. And he actually sold his likeness like for this deepfake ad, which is quite fascinating. Using thirty-four thousand images from when he was in his thirties and early forties. So fascinating. It is, absolutely. Do you want to talk more about this paper? Because this, I think this is also hitting on, there's a photo-real point that you're already making, but this is also about stylization and the fact that like we're able to use these GAN approaches to do this stuff, run inference way faster. You know, everyone's seen this with the Snapchat filters, basically. I think that's like for the mainstream, the way they've experienced this stuff is with Snapchat filters. But yeah, like this kind of like style control angle, maybe you could make a point about and stuff like that. I don't know.
0: Well, thank you for bringing that back up. Yeah, the piece about photorealism or not, this paper has a position which is maybe photorealism isn't the most interesting thing because if we are in games or if we if we are in our community maybe the avatar or the stylized version for sure is is the preferable choice by many people especially when you do it like this like oh today i'm not feeling quite my best like i want a bad hair day good hair day and what's representing myself i think is stealing the thunder of the conversation how do we get it absolutely perfect and believable yeah that may be the more interesting thing than the believable human, all in all.
1: I got to say, it has to be yes and, right? Because you probably also saw this like update to eye contact on NVIDIA broadcast, where basically you can now totally be scrolling through TikToks in your corporate meeting and no one would be any the wiser, <laughs> although that's not what you should do. that's not what you should do with it. But if you're reading a script for a presentation, suddenly eye contact becomes a lot more natural, right? And so there's some really cool examples here. In this scenario, it's like sort of using similar AI techniques just to slightly restyle, which is what I loved about the, the prior paper that you brought up, which is like, it's a spectrum, right? Maybe it's like more mm-hmm. of a matrix or whatever. And you can kind of on different axes, crank things up depending on the context that you're in. And you're totally right. Like, you know, if you're a kid that's growing up playing Roblox or like in view, like the kids all love that like app where you make, yeah, this one. And you're making like stylistic representations like this, right? That's a different thing. But again, if you're in a corporate meeting, you want to have a more like as close to a natural interaction as possible. Hey, go use these other GAN technologies For sure. to do some interesting things. And what nice cool. creator
0: technology, by the way, too, right? Hell yeah. So no. No, no one will Reform ever. I don't know if this is when to We're put this into up, the yeah, yeah when to yeah. put this into the conversation, but I find it noteworthy with regards to the four D generation that Microsoft had all of this work and from the XR capture stage, which is running at least here in San Francisco and then one in LA. There's they have a lot of footage of people doing things that will turn out to be incredibly valuable uh in the long run I suspect and what you pulled up there is it's about the people and it's about the the places the system the the worlds that they live in yes and this this result is out with uh eight an immersive 360 image being generated from Text prompt and the detail in this one is incredible. And what I, what I find worth noting as a signal here is there is already this convergence of the different technologies into one. So we have immersive, which has to be part of the, of a metaverse experience in in the future, the ability to go travel to different places, then augmented with additional adventures that you want to have there. So immersive technology, which image generation technology, and going into different verticals Moving forward, that convergence is also upon us. Soon enough, we'll have our tour guides standing around telling us what's interesting to know in this particular setting. Some of it is fabricated. Some of it isn't. You might be living a fantasy. You might be uh, going on, on adventures uh, before you, before you get on an airplane. So everything is in play and it comes down to who can make something that is of value to their particular uh, customer. And we'll find out over time how much those customers are willing to pay for goods and services that combine all, the, all of these tools together.
1: And all, all of these tools are sort of mirroring what we've been able to do with reality, right? Like, I, I love this tr- trend of, like, I found this place or space in latent space, right? Which is interesting because, like, I see a similar trend where, like, let's just take reality capture, which is, you know, the art and science of digitizing the world around us. It was all about panos, right? Like, mm-hmm. so people were doing panoramic photography from the QuickTime VR days using, like, a nodal rig, and then you got 360 cameras, and then photogrammetry started taking enough. And like, hey, like on a consumer computer, like consumer laptop, you can now process photogrammetry. Now you've got neural radiance fields, which is approaching these like pseudo light field representations. And you're sort of seeing the same thing play out in this like fully digital in quotes space. I don't want to use the metaverse word because it's freaking overloaded but like in latent space if you will hey i want to pull out like the 360 pano actually then i want to use like meet us to like generate a depth map for this so it's like a panel with a little bit of parallax and now you're seeing like the text to 3d and text to 4d stuff that meta is doing with video or what google did with dream fusion so now you can go into latent space and pull out whatever representation you want everything from a panel to a 3d model to a freaking 4d animation so i'm super excited by this and I love following creators like Cuddly Salmon. You figure out some new thing that you just couldn't have imagined. And like, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole creating a bunch of rectangular images with all of this stuff. And yeah, I'm super, super excited about this. Well,
0: there is certainly an artist who is leveraging what's at their disposal. It's impressive stuff.
1: You're totally right. Like immersive content is coming together, right? We're talking about the various modalities that we're used to in the real world. We have them now in this like purely, you know, generative space as well. And so we talked about you know, obviously text descriptions of various types of things, whether that's like outlining a script, refining it, mm-hmm. fleshing it out, coming up with creative ideas, packaging it for representation, mm-hmm. same thing with images used across the life cycle, you're seeing that with video and 3D now. Yeah. But there's one aspect of all of this that's super important, Hilmar. It's audio.
0: Ah, uh, right. Yes, of course. Google had a fresh one for us. Now generators out to, to produce music for whatever you're doing. Also, the speech yes. synthesis has dramatically improved of late. And I'm curious, too, does it all go back to how we express ourselves with words? When we start combining these things together, yes, and what we're seeing is we're, we're starting with words, we're creating audio, we're creating images, we're creating maybe at some point uh, stylized humans. But then there's a workflow in here where you want to start out with something and you want to connect the placement of your tour guide in the scene and the words that they speak. Yes, they can be written down, but I'm unsure how we're going to solve that problem that you're not likely not going to do everything by typing things, commands in English. You might be speaking them, but maybe you also at some point you want to use your hands or to move things into space or to travel to places, it's really an, an an open question. Is is text the basis for everything, or are user interfaces going to be controlled through other means as well?
1: That's a really really interesting question. Yeah, and it has become a lot of Twitter AI. Twitter is pontificating on this. Where you go into computer science school, by the way, the amount of existential dread CS students are experiencing today. <laughs> is just insane. And one of the jokes is, oh, yeah, you want to learn a programming language? Learn English. (laughs) Well, why why would that
0: that existential angst be any different for that profession than any of the other professions? I think we've mentioned this numerous times.
1: That's true, too. Yeah.
0: Yes. The programmers, the lawyers, the artists, all are grappling with it in their own way. I happen to believe that it's not just text. And that's why we do the research work that we do at Autodesk right now. Once these workflows become more complete, where the connection has to be bridged through other means. But I contend that original ideas could There is something magical about the fact that language is so ambiguous and we can communicate it. And what one researcher at Audas told me is we're also incredibly good as humans to resolve ambiguities in language. It's unbelievable. Even when things are spelled in different ways and pronounced the same way. In our mind, we can resolve ambiguities at incredible speeds. And I don't know exactly where I'm going with this. Is I think it's the infatuation that we're seeing a machine resolving the ambiguities in ways that we may not have thought of in the to begin with. So that's the big picture question for me. How central is the role of language in all of this moving forward?
1: You know, it also brings up the whole value alignment problem, right? Which is like the hot topic at like a cocktail party. It's like, how do you have value alignment with AI? And certainly the argument Sam Altman seems to make from the open AI perspective is that the fact that these models are built around text and natural language mm-hmm. would make it easier to communicate human values to them and it, it's fascinating. I, I will say this though, like maybe this is a trend that we should have seen coming to your point. Like, you know, there was back in the day people were writing assembly code, right? Like people mm-hmm. used to learn how to write and wrangle assembly. And then you got these object oriented programming languages and higher levels of abstraction. Now there's no code, low code movements. And maybe the fact that we're reducing it down to like learn to code might increasingly become learn to write just makes sense, right? What I found fascinating, even as we were doing like the Imagining the Napoleon movie using AI, The skill that becomes like super useful now is like, what does a director do? Like what does a product manager do? What does an engineering manager do? What does a designer do? They communicate the thing that needs to be built with words and sometimes with words and images and sometimes with words, images and a voiceover, right? Like call that a presentation, multimodal if you will. It's really cool that natural language and these more natural interaction models with machines are gonna allow us to communicate our intent. We can communicate our intent Now to these machines using this higher level abstraction that we're so used to, that is so second nature to us that we dream in. We dream in language like that's a sign, right? If you speak a second language, if you start dreaming in it yet, oh, yes, I have now. Okay, cool. Now there's some internal process that's happening in that sense. So be exciting to see where this goes.
0: It, It sure is. And another true story is having worked with directors and having seen firsthand the constraint that language communication places on you being really exacting about that which is in your head, there is a is a point to be made that there are parts of our brain, specifically the spatial cognition, thinking in spaces and distances and, and relationships that is underutilized in language. And... Not an insignificant part of my latter years at Lucasfilm was about bringing that out from people that they can speak with gestures and perceiving the space with depth, with density, with spatial relationships. And that I convinced needs to be further foregrounded in our work with machines. Yes, we speak.
1: Couldn't agree. Time
0: to time, but we need to have a way to express ourselves spatially.
1: So much of our brain is dedicated to this type of visual processing, right? Like, so if we are headed towards artificial general intelligence, I mean, the trendy thing in the AI communities is to say like multimodal, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's all about multimodal. And you're totally right. Vision I mean, I'm biased in this regard, too, because like a bunch of my professional career has been in computer vision, teaching machines how to see right like Mm -hmm. we do the mashup of reality capture and this generative stuff. I think some interesting thing is going to happen there, whether that is like sort of like the quest approach of, hey, some passive RGB sensors that like reconstruct your 3D you know, hand gestures or eye movements into this vector space that you can use to let them communicate with a machine or if it's going to be like an active depth sensor like LIDAR on like iPhones and so forth or binoculars. Ocular 3d with just like passive sense whatever it is right but you're totally right and it's not just about geometry too right it's about like all this other stuff that you talked about there's the geometry and the semantics but there's these other things too like the reason i love light fields is like they capture the material properties and like the Mm -hmm. the view dependent effects of stuff Mm -hmm. and that's such a key part of like when you're framing that shot hey, let me put the camera just right here so I get that nice like anamorphic lens flare or hey, I just want like you to be right here. I wanna move the light source just slightly here so there's like this edge light and it'll be interesting to see how artists will have that level of control. There you go, Helmar. We've got instructability now. We can provide instructions and we get some really great results here, clearly, so.
0: Clearly.
1: Make them both robots. Let's see what happens here.
0: Oh, I didn't, I can't unsee that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Embarrassing. I don't have it ready. Here are the resources that mid-journey available for photographers now. And
1: yeah, I'm just loving how fast the community is moving on this. Cause like all the learnings is like, The willingness to share is so high too. And yeah, like some people are monetizing the stuff, but it's like super reasonable rates. So like, you know, Andre did such an amazing job of encapsulating, like, so I also only enjoy doing more photorealistic things with Midjourney. And I got so much inspiration from being able to do some like amazing things. Some of this like, oh my God, this is like, these are some really awe-inspiring results. Don't forget to comment, like, subscribe and share the damn thing. Um, All right, let's, let's bring this home. Closing thoughts.
0: Closing thoughts. Most consequential year in entertainment is behind us. The next record holder for most consequential year is going to be 2023. It's, just, it's already pretty clear, but it yeah. is becoming a system-wide response, including the law, including academics and education. All professions are going to be dealing, grappling with this issue. And uh, we're happy to just being able to observe it all and comment on it. I've Love
1: it. Couldn't agree more. Breakneck velocity. We've got just January over here and the number of -of state-of-the-art audio AI models dropping is absolutely insane. And so I'm excited to see what happens on the video front this year, what happens on the 3D, the 4D front this year. Again, this collision of reality capture and these like fully generative worlds is super exciting to me. And I cannot wait to see how creators wield all these capabilities to make awesome content because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about creating stuff. It's about having a vision and then using these tools because that's what they are. They're just tools to turn your mind inside out, put it on the canvas of your choice and make awesome content. So with that, let's sign off and we'll see y'all in the next one.